From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is CQ Now, your nonpartisan news source for how the inside workings of Congress and the federal government shape the real world. A water contamination crisis in Flint, Michigan, has thrown the national spotlight on the problem of lead in drinking water. It's an issue that Washington regulators have been grappling with since at least 2010, and one that could lead to costly new mandates on states. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by CQ Energy reporter Ed Felker. The debate in Washington, Ed, as usual, seems to pivot around updating a rule. In this case, it's the Environmental Protection Agency's lead and copper rule. What does it cover and require right now? The lead and copper rule dates back uh, to the 1990s, essentially enforces the Safe Drinking Water Act, and that's a requirement uh, that EPA hands over to states to ensure that clean, safe water is delivered to uh, consumers and to businesses. The lead and copper rule is a specific rule that requires states to have local water systems do everything they can to keep lead out of the drinking water. So it doesn't set standards, but it's what's called a a proactive rule in that they have to require either removal of lead-lined pipes or chemicals in the water to make sure the lead does not leach out of the pipes. And that gets at the crisis in Flint, where the community water system, for a number of reasons, did not put those chemicals in, the the pipes were damaged, and uh, when they switched their water source, And so the lead and copper rule in this case failed because it left it to the states to enforce something that didn't happen at the local level. Now, there's a real health disparities issue here because the issue of lead contamination, which can lead to brain and developmental problems, weighs heaviest on minority and low-income populations. Uh, We saw Washington, D.C. had a lead scandal in 2004, right? That's right. And that scandal, and there's been others, but that scandal brought to light the fact that you have low-income people tend to live in older housing with older plumbing. And at the time, uh, the Centers for Disease Control actually was putting out a standard of how much lead could be in the water and still be considered relatively safe. So that scandal brought to light the fact that lead was being allowed through the drinking taps. And a researcher who's become important in the Flint case Mark Edwards at Virginia Tech, he first got involved in the national scene in that scandal where he, and through his and other people's advocacy, got the CDC to change its position to say that lead is unsafe at any level, any detectable level. And so uh, since then, the EPA has been working on the lead and copper rule to address some of its weaknesses. Uh, A working group came up with recommendations last summer just as the Flint crisis was coming to light. Uh, Who's on the group and what do they propose doing? There's an advisory group to the EPA on the Safe Drinking Water Act. It's called the National Drinking Water Advisory Council. They formed us, and it's made up of uh, water utility, some water national groups, some consumer folks. They came up with a working group to come up with long-term revisions that EPA asked for. EPA charged them in 2010 with coming up with long-term revisions to the lead and copper rule. And the big issue that they have have to grapple with is whether a national standard will be set to require the removal of all lead-based pipes, even 
if they're treated properly with chemicals to not leach the lead, should they just be removed outright? So you could not have another flint situation. So that working group submitted its recommendations to the full council. It has now sent those recommendations to EPA for further review by EPA. Now, you spoke to some experts who are highly critical of what they say was the EPA's inaction on the situation in Flint, despite the fact there were early warnings from an agency employee in the agency's Chicago office. That's right. Um, People are very upset that residents in Flint got a hold of an EPA water expert in Chicago who confirmed that they were getting lead out of their taps. And he sent an internal memo, but EPA, because the law delegates enforcement to the states, didn't issue an alert last summer. It waited until the scandal became public when Mark Edwards at Virginia Tech started publishing work on this. So uh, EPA is scrambling now both to address the Flint situation immediately, but in the background it has to decide at some point in these revisions that it expects to publish for public comment next year, uh, there'll be proposals, whether finally to require the removal of lead lines, which would be hugely expensive for communities all over the country, uh, how much uh, how much time they might have to do that, and a number of questions surrounding lead lines. So is there even a top-line estimate of how much it could cost for states to do the reviews and address lead leaching and control corrosion? No. <laughs> it's uh, not an obvious one. For example, when Governor Rick Snyder of Michigan appealed for federal aid to deal with Flint, one of the things he had to do was estimate the damages only to the Flint system that the Flint River water had caused because it was untreated uh, in the time that it was flowing through the pipes. That estimate alone came to $767 million, three-quarters of a billion dollars for one community. So. The idea of pulling out lead lines going to homes and businesses throughout this country is something that will cost billions and would take, some people think, decades to accomplish. CQ's Ed Felker on the Washington response to a water contamination crisis in Flint, Michigan. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Thanks for listening. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CQ Now, and you can download our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud.